A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. This is the podcast where we help dentists create a bigger future in terms of time, money, purpose, and relationships. I'm Naren, your host, the founder, plus also the founder of Equa Marketing, a full-service digital marketing company for dentists. Today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Bill Williams on the show. Dr. Bill is the founder of Solstice Dental Advisors, a consulting firm that helps dentists discover how to grow their practice in a significant way. In many cases, many of his clients have doubled their practice. He runs a mastermind called Solstice 5M Masters Academy and the 5M Mastermind for Dentists. He's also in private practice, working two days a week in the group practice he founded 40 years ago in the metro Atlanta area. It's called Swanee Dental Care. Dr. Bill is the author of at least two uh, books that I know of, which became Amazon bestsellers. The first one is Marketing the Million Dollar Practice. It reached um, number one uh, in Amazon um, in dentistry and number 15 in marketing. His second book, The $10,000 a Day Dentist, has been at the top of the charts for the past six months since its release. Dr. Bill, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Narin. Good to be here with a fellow Imagineer. <laughs> Thank you. I think we both have that in common. We, we like to invent and create and, you know, create a bigger future for everyone. I do appreciate what you do uh, for, for the community and, uh, you know, especially your business where you focus on helping dentists have the same kind of success you have had. Did you go from zero to what, five million in 10 years? Zero to 5.8 million in 10 years when I started my new practice in Swanee uh, 23 years ago now. Wow. I mean, so 5.8 million 23 years ago is like what, 15 million today? I don't know. Yeah, we had a good run and we're still doing it. I mean, we're, we're, we're over that now, but the story of um, zero to 5.8 was particularly interesting because I, I wrote about that in the marketing the million dollar practice and I wrote how we did that. And it's a story that's uh, gotten bigger over the years because a lot of people have uh, implemented a lot of the techniques I've uh, started teaching in that particular book, and they've grown their practices tremendously just because of that. That's amazing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know many people who are listening to this podcast already know who you are, but for those who are meeting you for the first time, give us kind of a quick overview. I'd be glad to. I'm an Atlanta, Georgia native, born and raised here. Uh, Proud to say I went to Auburn University and I'm a big War Eagle fan. Went to the Medical College of Georgia School of Dentistry, graduated in 1975, making me now one of the elder statesmen, I guess you'd say, of dentistry. It's hard to believe. Had my 68th birthday yesterday. So I continue to practice. I love it. We uh, continue to do uh, all kind of fun things in the practice. I did limit myself to two days a week so I could teach more and do more masterminds. So I have a choice now between working or not working. 
so that's a nice place to be out there is to what I call finish well. When I uh, started my practice, it was in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and I was there for 23 years, and I built up a huge 12-operatory, uh, 8,000-square-foot building, group practice, sold it, started over at age 48, moved to Suwannee, no patients. And a story that really is pretty phenomenal is that I, I couldn't get a Yellow Page ad out, which had been my major marketing tool back in the Stone Mountain era. And so I started on this thing called the internet, which, you know, nobody ever heard of hardly back then. And so I was um, a pioneer in the internet marketing wise and became uh, instantly successful and grew $500,000 a year, every year for 10 straight years. And largely because of uh, focusing on marketing, I already had my dental clinical skills down. And so I had to focus on growing fast in a new place to grow the practice up as big as I'd had down in Stone Mountain. And it turned out it got to be three, three times bigger by the time I finished uh, trying to grow it. And I purposely stopped trying to grow it after 10 years and just wanted to maintain because we already had four dentists and like almost a $6 million practice at that time. That's amazing. Um, I know we had a small chat and we kind of said, okay, what can we do today that's going to, you know, leave people with as much knowledge in as little time as possible. And we decided to talk about this idea that um, the most successful people in business, they don't do a um, thousand different things. They do a few things again and again and again and again. And um, as a, a very successful dentist, you know, probably in the top, you know, half a percent, if not less in your field, you figured out the same lesson and you realized if, a dentist can have a $10,000 a day and then figure out a way to repeat it. He has a successful practice. Exactly. Yeah. I always teach people that if you figure out a system that works, just repeat the system time after time, as long as you're having fun, keep doing that. And you don't have to really reinvent yourself every year. Right. So today we're going to talk about how to build a practice where anybody can have a $10,000 a day. Correct. I, I think anybody can have a $10,000 a day average. Now, that's a little different than having a $10,000 a day. I understand. So <laughs> we are focusing on how do we have an average $10,000 a day practice. So let's get started. Let's jump in. Um, where do you want to start? I, I don't want to even direct you because you know how to build this $10,000 a day practice. So what's well, the first thing you would do? Go ahead. Let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, I look back over my career since I came to Swanee and I said, what have I done that's different that's worth teaching somebody else? Cause I was looking to do a lecture at my first mastermind three years ago and I was going to teach them how to be successful. And I wanted to know what could I do in a lecture format that would really set them on fire for the whole year. And so uh, I thought about it and I thought, okay, I've done pretty well productivity wise. So let's, Think about that. How do, I, how do I figure out what I did during the uh, time that I got ready to be productive? What was I thinking? What was I doing? What was the staff doing? And I came up with 50 ways that I was more productive than most people or I was more prepared than most people. And so I, I put it down on paper and it came out to be pretty much centered around five different things. And so I decided to call it the big five in dentistry. And each of those um, 
five areas had 10 separate areas underneath it. And that became the basis of that lecture. And I gave the lecture to my mastermind dentist and lo and behold, each one of them started doing 10,000 a day. Some of them every day. And so it was a transferable uh, technique, a, a piece of knowledge that could be replicated. And so that's how actually the book came about because of the success of the guys in our mastermind. Yeah, I'm going to get myself a copy of both your books when I'm done. It both are on Amazon, correct? That's right. And so, I'll, be, I'll do one better than that. I'll send you a copy that's signed, Darren, because oh, you, thank you. you need one. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I talk to a lot of dentists and I would love to, you know, share some of your secrets of how to, you know, do it the smart way, not the hard way. I hate working hard. I love working smart. Well, let me break it down a little bit and then you can just ask questions as we go along. I'm glad to uh, dig into what you find interesting because uh, you, you do have a pulse of what's going on in our profession. Uh, you've been studying us from a marketing standpoint for many years and I appreciate that. The big five are the mindset the dentist and the team has the team itself, the people that make up the team and how well they're trained, how well they're selected, how well they're maintained and remunerated, how they're bonused and how they're rewarded, you know, all that goes together. And then number three is the facility. You've got to have a facility that can allow you to be a producer. Uh, some dentists can produce out of one chair very well. Some need five, 10 chairs. It just depends on your style of practice, but you got to maximize your facility, whatever it is. And then marketing, you've got to have marketing, uh, your, your topic. You've got to have capacity. And capacity may be my topic that I, between all those, I think mindset and capacity are the two factors that I can make the most difference in a dentist. Uh, a lot of people teach marketing. A lot of people teach team dynamics. Um, very few teach facility and very few teach capacity. So we, we look at those areas and, and kind of break them down as to what increases the doctor's capacity to be a producer. There's some limitations that happen too, some bottlenecks. And I try to figure out for each dentist that comes through our mastermind, what's the bottleneck that prevents them from achieving their goals. And, and that's the secret to the mastermind. When I run one is we find the bottlenecks and eliminate the bottlenecks and the doctors start soaring to their natural abilities. You know, every, every dentist has a different, capability, a different capacity to be a producer. It's not an innate talent that you have born with just your DNA, but I think we can bring it out and create more capacity in a dentist by identifying what holds them back and um, support them with what will push them forward. Absolutely. So the five are mindset, right? Second is team. The third is facility. Third, fourth is marketing. And the last one is capacity. That's right. Let's jump into mindset. So you said, I want to go back to what you said earlier. You said you studied what made you, you know, successful and um, what made, you know, uh, what were the keys to success? And you noticed there are five areas and each five areas, there are a lot of topics, like almost 10 each. So 50 topics total, right? And you zoom in, yep. zoomed into those important things and you gave a lecture that was the basis of, you know, your mastermind group, the 5 million mastermind group. So uh, let's jump into mindset. The first one, tell us about mindset. Tell us what it is and tell us why you think this is such an important, you know, part of the secret sauce. 
Well, a lot of people don't know um, that other dentists do what they do because they live in what's called a silo. They have a silo mentality. They, they kind of isolate themselves from everybody. They may be the only uh, interrelate with dentists in their own community. They don't get out and see the world. They don't have a national mastermind, which I believe is the key to success, having a national mastermind and getting out of local dental uh, study clubs or local dental uh, political organizations. Those are some of the most dangerous things in dentistry is, is hanging around dentists that are your neighbors because they're your competitors. They won't tell you anything that's good. So I believe in a national mastermind because the freedom to hear what other people are really doing is what really will set you free. And so what I always try to do is break out of the ordinary and find new paradigms to bust into. Uh, one of my most important masterminds that I ever joined was called Quest, Quest Management Program back in the 1980s. And Ron McConnell and Gary McLeod led this uh, revolutionary new concept where you actually think about business. And I had never done that as a dentist. And so I attended Quest Management Program with my entire staff. We sat there and listened to Ron and he was talking about how there's this grasshopper in a jar in a mason jar and it's got the lid screwed on top of on top of the jar and, and the grasshopper is jumping up and down in the jar and he can't get out and he's bumping his head on the ceiling and ron said that is you in dental school you're jumping up and down but you're not allowed to to go any further and so when you get out of school you know you don't know the lid has been taken off so you still don't jump very high and you don't get encouraged to go beyond by your peers that are local because they're your competitors and so somebody comes along like a coach or a, a mentor and says, you can do better. And what I do is I give permission to the guys in my mastermind to do better. And I tell them they can jump out of that mason jar. And so they do. They jump higher and they jump higher and they jump further. And when they end up doing more than they ever thought they could, they look back and go, I wish I'd done that sooner. And so it's given permission, change the mindset of the doctor that really really starts them on the journey and then you have to cha train your team that they can be better and you, then you train them on techniques uh, train them on uh, those areas of dentistry that are the soft skills I call it leadership communication management skills uh, we have a program we run called the Say Yes program where we just don't say no. When people ask us to do something, we say yes unless there's some, you know, reason we can't. If they want us to stay late, we'll, we'll stay late. If they, if they want us to uh, do a crown before they do something that we think might be better, you know, we're going to say yes if, if it's safe for them to do it, if it's legal for them to do it. We're not going to say no to people just because it's our protocol or our, our um, policy so policies are rigid and we try to get away from that so we have a whole bunch of things like um, the big bad word upselling and a lot of people rail against the idea that doctors are salesmen or doctors sell things to people but you know I'm here to tell all the dental profession you've got to be a marketer you've got to be a salesman you've got to be promoting your own product but it's always based on what's good for the patient. It's never based on what's good for the doctor. But the idea that you're selling 
yourself, you're selling your product, you're selling your services has to be forefront in your whole team's mind if you want to be successful. And so I don't have any problems using words like selling. Mindset is all about being a good doctor, a clinician, a good businessman, a good manager, a good leader. If you have the belief that you are the best at what you do, then that also includes being somebody who can sell your product to the patients because they have a lot of barriers between them and the product. The total health is the product. We sell better health. We sell better um, beauty, aesthetics, cosmetic dentistry. You know, we sell things that people want and need. If you can't sell it, what good is it going to do the patient? And so we have to bring our sales skills to the front. We have to train our team to be better at interfacing with patients to get over their objections. So classic sales training to handle objections is important. Uh, showing your best face, dress for success. Everything has to appear perfect to the patient so they move forward. Because, you know, they're going to be scared off by trash on the floor, dirty instruments, blood on the hand handles of instruments that are sitting in front of them on the on their tray top. Things like that, they're all about creating mindset. Your mindset, the patient's mindset, the staff's mindset. There's lots to mindset. We could just go on for an hour, hour but let's go to the next Yeah, topic. before before we jump into the next topic, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by mindset because I totally believe in it. You know, the way I explain it is, let's say you are in New York and you have a map of New York from 30 years ago, you're going to get lost. So mindset is kind of like a map. It's kind of how, how, how you navigate the world. So if you're wearing a blue glasses, you're going to see everything blue, right? So mm -hmm. it's not really the world is different. It's just the way you look at it is different. And, um, and what you're saying is we have a lot of limiting mindsets. And, um, you know, like you, that, uh, that story you shared in terms of, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the grasshopper in, in a bottle with a lid, you know, that's a perfect example of a limiting mindset. And then you talked about how, you know, when you just only network or work with people locally, again, you know, they're your competitors. They're not going to want you to grow. They don't want you to be successful because if you're successful, you know, in their mind, they're going to lose. So, you know, they're not supporting a growth mindset. So you talked a lot about, you know, the misunderstanding people have about selling. I mean, when Steve Jobs died, millions of people cried, even though they paid him thousands of dollars over years and years and years. Recurring revenue. He paid, he got more money from me than anybody else, probably. <laughs> exactly. And so, not, so some people think that selling, uh, being a great marketer is a bad thing, but it all comes down to the customer. I mean, why would millions of people pay tribute to somebody who they paid you know, thousands of dollars to? You know, so really, I think sometimes we have the mindset, oh, you know, if I'm going to ask people to pay, that means I'm a bad person or, you know, those limiting beliefs or those, those wrong maps, so to speak. So what you're saying, if I were to summarize what you're saying is, um, um, if you want to change your future, you have to change the way you look at the world. This is a perfect example of, of how I view the world. Right. So really the world is fine. It's just the way you look at it is that's limiting you. Like, you know, almost like you have a ceiling that's just like that, that, that grasshopper you keep hitting against until you break through the old mindsets and you create new mindsets. You're still going to be in that, in that bottle like a grasshopper. So what you do and what you encourage, you do for yourself and you encourage all the people you help do is 
to break out of the limiting mindsets and create new abundant mindsets. Exactly. You know, I, I practice in a, in an area where very few people I know do $10,000 a day. I mean, a few do, but you know, but every one of my friends nationally does everyone, you know, I hang around people all over the country that do much more than that. I have lots of friends who do $20,000 every day. And a lot of people say it's impossible. You can't do good dentistry and do that much. But some of the best clinicians in America are those people I'm talking about. You know, they're, they're people who have the highest caliber of uh, ethics and quality. And they're doing just ABC dentistry. We're not talking just fancy all on fours. And they're, you know, they're doing ABC. Everybody's doing just what you do every day in your practice. Just doing a lot of it. And uh, yesterday was a very typical day. I had uh, ceramic implant uh, implants. I had crown and bridge. I had uh, root canals, extractions, bone grafts, uh, TMJ treatments, periodontal treatments, laser, you know, perio. I, I was just doing everything I do. Orthodontic starts. It was just a great day. This is the kind of dentistry that every dentist can practice if they just put their mind to it. Right, right. Um, so give me some examples of mindsets and teams. I know we didn't touch on that uh, a lot. I have two things I like to talk about when I talk about mindset and team. And, and this is really going to be a huge opening to some people's eyes when they hear this. Uh, I teach something called 100% readiness, 100% willingness, and it leads to 100% happiness. So take, take an example of your day is supposed to go smooth every day and you want the team setting up the rooms and preparing the patients so that everybody's on the same track on target. And so the doctor walks in the room and, he, and he, he's ready to work and the financial forms are not filled out and the patient hasn't agreed to treatment yet. Well, that's a little bit of an upset. You know, it, it means somebody's got to stop and go get all the forms done and take some time and doctor's got to go away while they're doing that. And the doctor comes back in and he's ready to start working when the financial forms are filled out. But the syringe is not out of the drawer. The anesthetic's still in the drawer. The needle's not on the syringe. Uh, the topical's not placed, you know. So the doctor's got to kind of wait for the dental assistant to create that. And it just, one thing leads to another and it's like little tiny hiccups. So one thing we teach is 100% readiness so that when the doctor walks in, everything's done. So if I see 20 patients a day, I've got 20 opportunities for it to be perfectly right or perfectly wrong. I mean, how many ways can things go wrong in a dental procedure for setup, for patient communication, for the written documentation, post-op notes? Everything can go right or can go wrong. And so what we're working with is having the team 100% willing to do everything is necessary to make it go smooth so that we have 100% readiness for that patient when they arrive in the office and 100% readiness for when the doctor arrives in the operatory. So knowledge of what's going to happen has to happen beforehand, of course, and we have to pre-plan. We have to have our morning huddle to kind of 
catch up on what's going to happen that day and everybody's prepared for the moment that's coming soon at eight o'clock. Now, the hygienists can get involved in this too. You know, they can be waiting for the doctor to come and they're 10 minutes into their time after they've asked the doctor to come. The doctor hadn't come yet. So they're kind of at the will of the doctor to show up. And so if that doctor won't come out of the bathroom, if that doctor won't get off the phone or won't break from his uh, restoration he's working on, then the hygienist can be uh, a little bit upset too because the doctor is not 100% ready and 100% willing to, to meet her needs. So it, it's a scenario here of one person in the office and another person in the office needing to be served by one another. The doctor serves the team and the team serves the doctor. The patients are served by the team and the doctor. And the patient's got to show up at the office on time to serve us. So everybody has a, a contract and an agreement with each other to, to kind of be on time, be ready. So what I always want to get across to the teams when we talk with training teams is if you can accomplish 100% readiness and willingness to do the job that's set before you, then everybody's going to be very happy. And if you have 50 different uh, connections during the day between staff and patients and doctors that go well, at the end of the day, everybody's really happy. They go home happy and you have a great time and you celebrate that was a great day. You don't mind coming to work tomorrow. But on the other hand, if you had 15 or 20 of those uh, events go wrong and there were upsets, micro uh, upsets during the day where things weren't right and you got a little consternation about the financials not being perfect, the appointment being different from the, what the patient expected, the setup of the room being wrong. You'd, you'd end up with a little bit of a, a combination of chips on your shoulder that ended up being a couple of pounds, not just chips, and eventually spill over into your attitude. And that would lead to unhappiness. I and mean, you wouldn't want to come to work every day like that. So I just put the mindset of the team right up there at the forefront of what makes me successful is if I have a team that's really focused on the same goals I have, and we're all doing hundred percent willingness and readiness, and we're all going to have hundred percent happiness. And that makes for a very productive team. Right. So, so what you're saying is um, like, I mean, I'll use Apple because you are an Apple fan. So when I get an Apple product in the mail. Uh, I don't need a knife to cut it open, right? That's a small tab. I just flip it open, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't need to charge it. It's charged. So when Apple learned the lesson that here is the best way to ship a product, they never forget that lesson. They repeat that same, they live that lesson millions and millions of times day in and day out for every customer. So whether you are a brand new Apple customer or you are buying an Apple product for the 15th time, you benefit from Apple being perfect and you love it. And the people love it because of course, when the customers love it, the customers are going to compliment them. The doctor or the team is going to compliment them. So everybody's happy too. So what he's saying is a lot of practices um, may have been successful once they got it perfect once, but they don't write it down. They don't think it through and they don't do it every time. So some of the times they are happy, some are successful. Some of the times they're not perfect. 
consistency makes a difference and happiness is related to having consistent systems run consistently. Right, right. So it's really important to know what made you successful and remember it and live it or execute it time, mm -hmm. time in and time out. So that's one of the key lessons. And of course, what you're saying is that leads to happiness. So who doesn't want to come to a practice where we scored 20 out of 20, you know, home runs? Absolutely. Know, right. As opposed to, you know, we, we almost died and we almost got kicked out of the playoffs. And you know what I mean? It's a mess and everybody's unhappy and people are mad at each other. And, you know, you know and I, I almost took it for granted, this concept, until I became unhappy. I had the same dental assistant for 15 years and she read my mind, knew my moods, knew my likes, dislikes, could read everywhere I was going to go before I went in the operatory. And so I never had to really think about all this happiness. And so when she retired and went somewhere to uh, not be my assistant, it's like I had to start over with training new people. And I quickly remembered how it used to be. Right. Back, in, back in the old days. And so working with a team that has your same mindset and belief system is so important. And, and everybody out there who's churning team members probably understands this point. Your biggest frustration in dentistry is a team that is not a together team. Right. Right. I think we spent a decent amount of time on mindset. Let's jump into team. What's your lesson for us about teams today? Well, the, the team mindset and the team itself um, kind of go together. I teach a concept called tens, hire tens, or if you don't hire them, uh, at least find somebody who's got the potential to be a 10. Um, you know, Bo Jackson was a perfect 10 as a sports guy. You know, he was excellent in many areas. And um, right. Bo Derrick was a, a movie actress who they made a movie called 10. And she was supposed to be, you know, the vision of the most beautiful woman. So to me in dentistry, a 10 is a, a dental staff member, team member, who fits your perfect picture of a perfect uh, assistant, associate, business assistant, or hygienist because they, they understand what it takes to create a result that's just outstanding. So a 10 can be anything that the doctor needs to be outstanding. And so I like to surround myself with people who support my vision and they, they go out of their way to be outstanding. And so you, you have to hire people persons who like to serve other people and you have to I find you have to test them before you bring them in to find out, you know, those, those basic underlying characteristics. And so there's several uh, mechanisms. We like to bring people into the practice through those mechanisms and then train them up with proper orientation skills. Uh, have a practice orientation before you start asking people to work a training session, uh, job descriptions and, and have them give, uh, we give them rather a mentor on the team, somebody who will help them achieve their level of expertise to be able to run and jump when necessary. Don't expect them to come and run and jump 
because they just got hired. They've got to be trained to do the things. So a team has to be trained well, and that's the bottom line. Right. So perfect 10. So tell me your definition of a perfect 10 for your practice. Let's say a, a, an associate, let's say a dental assistant, and let's say a front desk person. My associates that I like to hire are graduates of trainings that have implant and IV sedation uh, residencies. That would be my perfect uh, associate. Somebody who has good verbal skills and speaks clearly and that relates to people. I feel like that dedication to uh, higher education is critical. That They have to be CE junkies just like I was when I was growing up and they want to be better and they want to surround themselves with good people. Uh, they have to be coachable. Uh, one of the things I found was that the, the highly successful associates that come into my practice, I've had 18 associates over 40 years. The highly successful ones are coachable. The ones that are not very coachable tend to uh, plateau out and, and not grow. So some of them may think they know everything or don't want to know more. And those are the ones who tend to uh, plateau out. Now, the perfect dental assistant is one that fits my personality. Everybody has a different personality. I'm a high D. Uh, if you look at the scale of uh, DS, um, L, and what's the other one? This is Myers-Briggs? Yeah. So I'm a high D, so I need an S to be my dental assistant. And everybody needs to have a complimentary dental assistant. And so I need somebody who is steady and solid, but who's not going to try to take over the operatory. You know, I'm pretty dynamic in the operatory and, and lead the way. Um, I have a, a, a quiet storm reputation where I don't say too much, but when I say something, it means a lot. And so I don't want, um, a high eye is my dental assistant who is always chatting. He's always talking and, and inserting themselves in the conversation. So, so I want somebody as my dental assistant who fits my characteristics. And every dentist is going to have a different personality. Most dentists are S personality. And so they might need somebody who's a higher eye who's going to talk more. They, got, they might need somebody who's even a director who's going to, who's going to kind of take charge and, and lead the conversation. So it depends on who you are as to what you need to hire as a dental assistant, because that's the most important person day to day that you're going to interface with uh, somebody who's going to compliment you very well. As far as front desk people, uh, I think you've got to have people up there who are well-rounded that that position has to be enough of an eye to uh, be upbeat when people come in and, and enjoy the process of meeting and greeting. They got to be strong in the C category because they've got to be a numbers person. You know, a lot of the numbers crunching that goes on in dental office at the front desk, those guys have to multitask. And if you don't have enough capacity in the C range, they, what they call the accountant abilities, you'll get lost. And uh, 
if you're making appointments, you got to be pretty much of a D, a driver, because you got to drive people and engineer that that appointment book, and and you got to be enough of a salesperson at that position to sell people on the idea that they need to get on that book and get into the office. So it's a pretty well-rounded, and a lot of people up at the front desk are also the case presentation uh, manager. They do the financial arrangements. They they sell the dentistry. So it takes a lot of skill to do that kind of thing. You need well-rounded people at that position, I think. Right, right. So you're saying, so you look for a perfect 10. How do you find them? Is that easy to figure out in an interview? Do you give them tests? I do. I do. I have uh, Profile XT is one of my favorite tests that we'd like to run, which identifies uh, verbal and mathematical skills. It identifies uh, attitudes and uh, strengths and weaknesses. It ranks them on a scale from one to 10 in about 25 different areas. And uh, I find it very useful. I found that if you take and do a job match test, take your best people that you've had over the period of years and say, this is my perfect 10. And then when you interview, you try to find people that match that same pattern. And then they're going to be almost uh, a clone of the person that you measured that uh, perfect 10 from when you hire a new person. That's a skill that I'm looking for is somebody that matches what I've already found to be a perfect 10. Right. And just because you hire them, is that good enough? Or how do you groom them? I mean, you said you had this assistant for 15 years and then you struggled, right? So you got lucky with that, with that assistant because you didn't really have to maybe even groom her. She just was so focused and she had, it just came naturally to her. But what about those who are not able to, or are these tens automatically able to figure things out? No, I think you, you have to really have uh, a bit of, uh, you have to have good luck as well. I mean, you're going to find people that apply that, that really you shouldn't hire. So you have to screen them out. And then when you do find the ones that you think are equal to the task because they scored well in the test, you've got to go through some working interviews. You've got to go through some orientation programs to see if they fit your, co- your uh, vision, mission, and culture we always introduce people to the culture of who we are so that they get to reflect back to us if they liked being in that kind of culture. And that's one of the most important aspects of being on the team is they have to verbally indicate that they like the kind of culture we have before we hire them. So we let them see what our culture is, you know, it's written. And uh, if they don't like that kind of culture of openness and honesty and being responsible and being on time. Those things that we have written down are just part of our expectations of being a good team member, what it takes to be a 10. And once they get accepted on the team, then they go through an orientation and they go through an initial training period. And uh, then they start working in the operatories with us or working at their position once they've gone through a training period. Ideally, somebody shouldn't touch a patient until they've at least uh, gone through a few days or a week of training in other words right because they need to learn the way you do things it's important if they can learn them my way it saves a lot of uh you don't want to train over patients if you don't have to that's very disconcerting to a patient to have people being uh, corrected in front of uh, their mouth right right 
Absolutely. Um, we talked about mindset. We talked about team. Let's focus on facility. Why is facility important? Well, a lot of dentists are limited by how many rooms they operate out of, and they, they cannot grow. And, I, and a lot of dentists I work with want to grow. They want to maximize the value of their practice before they retire. And so they're looking to add associates, and they can't add associates. They're looking to transition by bringing a dentist in, even to be a partner. They can't grow because they don't have enough rooms. So if they don't expand hours, then they have to build more facility. And so one of the keys I found to growth was you have to add associates if you want to grow. I mean, one dentist can do up to $3 million of of production if they want to really work hard. That's possible. That may be big enough for some people, but that's a lot of work and it's kind of hard to do that much. A lot of dentists, you know, they struggle at trying to get to a million and they can't even fathom doing 3 million. But if you want to be a three or $4 million practice, it's easy if you just add an associate or two. And that's what most of the people do. If you're talking about growth, I believe in one facility with multiple dentists, as opposed to having multiple facilities with one dentist, by the way, a lot of dentists teach you open up multiple offices and have multiple overheads with multiple marketing situations. And I just feel like, that's harder than having one office with multiple dentists in it. And so if you could figure out a modular system to grow your practice at three or four dentists over 10 years, that's a pretty good sized practice. And that's what I did. Right. You're saying if you have two houses and you're trying to manage both of them at the same time, it's hard, you know, it's better to have one house. Yeah. And I know a lot of dentists, you've got vacation houses and, the seashore and one in the mountains and uh, they, they go to their vacation to repair their house. Right. They're, not, they're not having vacations at that point. Right. Right. Absolutely. So it's better to, in this case, put all your eggs in one basket and just make that the best it can be. Well, that's what I decided. You know, I got to a point where I was very successful in the Swanee practice and I had 15 operatories and four dentists there with me. And it was like, I could go and do this again over here and over there. And I just said, big enough. I don't want to be bigger. I just do my thing in one place and I'll be happy with where I am. So right. it's, it's individual choice. There's no wrong choices. It's just you, you have to choose. Right. Absolutely. Um, any other points on facility, doctor, you want to share? You know, um, an adjunctive thing to facility is scheduling. So let's talk about scheduling a minute because that's really, really one of the big keys to me to being a $10,000 a day dentist is how you schedule. You know, I have this thing called the new patient experience system and it runs the patients through the practice and the facility is set up so that they tour through it to get to the consultation room. And so along the way they have things that we want them to see and experience and my staff is trained to have a, a specific talk with them as they go along the hallway down the operatory line here and over past the reception room and into the, past the laboratory and so the patients 
who go through this new patient experience, they typically will buy 50% more treatment than those who don't go through that system because they are discovering things as they go along. And we're learning things about them as they go along the tour. So I always tell people we tour the facility before I tour their patient's mouth. Right. I'm finding out what they really feel about cosmetic dentistry, about the lasers and the sterilization systems and the cleanliness of the office and how the staff uniforms look as they pass them in the hallway. I'm getting information as I tour through the office. And then we sit down in a room which is specific for interviews. It's not the office manager consultation room. And I interview the patient before the exam. And I'll spend five to 10 minutes just interviewing the patient, doing the thing that's the, the um, rapport building, get to know you type talk. And my wife always says, you want to know 10 things about the patient before you ever talk about dentistry. Okay. And it's important to be a human before you're a dentist. And if we accept the patient as a, another human before they accept them as a patient, you'll break the barriers to mistrust. You'll break the barriers to uh, belief in what you say. And that's the real key to our success is that people buy more dentistry from us than they do from other dentists, primarily because we get in sync with them before we actually try to tell them what they need or talk them into buying something that they don't think they need. Right. So, so there's... Let, me, let me just, uh, I, I heard a couple of points you made. One is, you know, uh, are you familiar with Dr. Robert Cialdini, who wrote the book called Influence? Sure do. I know about Robert, and he's a good author. I really follow his work closely. Right. So he talks about consistency. So what you're saying is, in, when they tour the office, you're learning a lot about them. So you're not trying to fight them or argue them or change them. You're trying to understand them. The more you understand them and the more you can cater to their needs and the way they think, the more successful you're going to be in convincing them. Am I correct? That's right. Second thing I heard is um, we tend to do business with those we like. So, I mean, the seven, you know, the book, Dale Carnegie's book, you know, how to win friends and influence people. The, the biggest thing I got out of that book is if you want others to like you, be interested in them. Be interested exactly. in what they want. Talk about them. Find something in common. So second thing you're saying is you have to connect with them as a human being before you connect with them as a technician, as a dentist, who knows what, who knows everything about oral health and overall health. Precisely. So are you, do you use any of the other principles of Dr. Cialdini in your, in your process, in a new patient process? Uh, in Aitley, in we do. Um, we created our new patient experience 20 years, 25 years ago and uh, didn't know who Cialdini was back then. Right. But as I read the books, uh, Persuasion, Persuasion, the last book, and then um, Influence. Influence, the one before that, I recognized many of the things he was doing, we were doing. I mean, we were asking the question, the answer to which is the message we wanted to send. Right, right. So the principles of social proof, authority, you know, consistency, commitment. So you are doing those, you are implementing many of those ideas. Yeah, every one of those was built into our new patient experience. Everything right. that Fialdini talked about as a, a research 
uh, analyst for human behavior. We were doing, but it wasn't because I figured it out. It's because I studied the masters that came before me, like uh, uh, Omar Reed and uh, Patty Lunn and the, the the guys that were my mentors. I just put into effect L.D. Pankey and those guys. What they've taught me, I I just keep repeating it over and over again. Right. So these are universal truths, right? They never change. doesn't matter what the technology is. doesn't matter, you know. Jesus, Confucius, Buddha. <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of truths out there right. that people repeat in modern-day language, but they were said many years ago. Right. You know, the, the, uh, the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, and you'll find most of the wisdom in the world included just in that one book. Right. Absolutely. Makes, makes sense. So you are a student of, you know, these key principles, key ideas. And, uh, Absolutely. Cialdini is one of the people that I recommend to my students to get his books and read them. It's one of, I have a big book reading list that all my mastermind people uh, receive from me. And we, we give books out every month to our mastermind clients so that they keep up with the latest and greatest ideas and I'm always interested in, in who's teaching the most interesting materials. Right. What are some of the top, top books you recommend besides Cellini? Well, you know, my whole career started with uh, getting recommended the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And so, you know, you've got to start with that book. That's the, that's the granddaddy of all uh, mindset books. Right. And uh, the latest book that I've read, gosh, I'm trying to think of what it is. Which one? Talent Wins. There you go. Talent Wins. Talent okay. Wins is a book uh, putting people first, and it's uh, it's a new paradigm. Uh, some research very similar to Cialdini, but it's uh, Sharon Barton and Carey are the authors, and they're talking about their experience of putting a framework about how people come before strategy, and that that gives people in their in a corporate environment a leg up on the competition because your your people come before some of the things that, you know, CFOs and CEOs do is create a strategy that kind of crushes people. And their whole concept is you make people uh, equal to those other divisions in the corporate world. And then the, the company grows as a whole. So talent right. wins. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's get back to our topic. So we talked about mindsets. We talked about team. We talked about facility. And uh, I do appreciate you sharing these books with us and uh, we'll include them in the notes. Um, let's talk about marketing and then jump into capacity. Let's do that. Marketing. Uh, yeah, I cut my teeth on marketing and I felt like I should be better at it. And so I studied it hard and I, I bought a book called uh, Guerrilla Marketing by Jay Conrad Levinson. Oh, I remember reading that. Yeah, that's a great book. And it had 200 
different ideas for guerrilla marketing. And so I implemented all of them in my practice back in 1997. And I started implementation and that's what created a growth factor that we added a half a million dollars a year, every year for 10 straight years. And a lot of it was uh, inexpensive marketing tactics called guerrilla marketing. And we looked at everything as a marketing opportunity. And that soon led to uh, web centric marketing with the uh, combination of guerrilla marketing plus the internet uh, changed the whole environment of how we marketed. And eventually I added uh, social proof and expert status and authority marketing and video marketing came along and we started getting into putting together videos of cases and um, doing uh, TV and uh, five minute shows on uh, case makeovers. Uh, marketing direct mail uh, did some of that along the way and it's proven very effective, which a lot of people think that's out of style, but it's still very effective. And social media, of course, is the latest uh, adjunct to what we've been doing. And we've taken a lot of steps toward becoming the number one in our market district area, uh, trying to dominate on social media with LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and uh, Instagram. So we make a mark. We, we want a footprint in each of those different platforms, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about marketing for a long time. And uh, to me, marketing is hard, but it's simple. Um, marketing to me is getting people to know you and then helping them choose you. That's where, that's where influence principles come in. Social proof, authority, liking, you know. Yeah, um, I always tell people I want them people to know me before they meet me. That's right. kind of a rule of thumb. Right. Right. So first they hear about you and then they kind of like you because if they don't like you, they're not going to even consider choosing you. Yeah. And, uh, if they've never heard of you, they're not going to show up at the front door. Exactly. And then finally, um, you know, today's social proof is so powerful. It's like the bulldog standing outside your front door. If you don't take care of it, it's going to, you know, scare people away, <laughs> you know, especially their online, online reviews, you know, yes. those are the, like huge bulldogs. Right. Right. And people, you know, why they, they don't want to take any chances, you know, when in two seconds they can find out if the bulldog is there or not. You know what I mean? I so like if, it. If it's not feed. there then they walk in, if not, they just walk away. So yeah, it's our job to feed that bulldog meat every day. Keep it happy. <laughs> Keep it happy. Exactly. Exactly. More good reviews. You want some more good reviews. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So marketing is not that, you know, complicated. It's pretty simple. It's just that, um, I think a lot of people don't understand how simple it is and they don't know where to focus. You know, they, they just jump with the next trend and everybody's talking about dot, 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 and they're onto the dot, dot, dot without understanding the fundamentals of marketing and then, you know, executing well, most people, on it. Most dentists never had a course in business management, much less marketing. Mar marketing is not business management. You know, marketing is a whole separate area. And, I would venture to say that only one out of a hundred dentists has ever put together a marketing action plan. Right. If that many, I mean, it's rare to find a dentist who's actually made a plan when they come into our mastermind. Most of them have no clue of what a, a marketing action plan even is. Right. And they have to create one and they have to find a team who can actually implement it. You know, 
these days a dentist can't do it all themselves. They've got to have experts in the marketing field to delegate to. Right. Yeah, because it's pretty complicated as it is. So you need, like, I mean, I think one of the keys to success I have found is you need partnerships. You need people who are really, really good at what they do, who partner with you and who you partner with. And um, it's like, just like you have a financial planner and a good accountant, you know, you need those key partners. And I think marketing is so important today. I think you need that marketing partner as well. Mm -hmm. Well, if you can get a marketing partner that provides return on investment, you should stick with them for a long time because that's the key to success is having a steady stream of new patients and marketing is whole purpose is to bring in new patients. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I focus on is, you know, what percentage of our clients stick with us year after year. And I'm really proud of the fact that more than 90% of our dentists, you know, stick with us. And, and you're right. It's, it comes down to ROI. Marketing is one of those things you know when it works because you know how many patients you're getting because everything can be tracked. You know, you can set up call tracking and, and um, so you don't need to even pay out of your own pocket. You know, if you do it right, it should pay for itself times 10 times. So. Yeah. That's the one thing I always caution people about is if your marketing team that you hire can't give you ROI figures, if you can't document the good results they're getting, then you probably shouldn't be working with them because they don't, they don't have proof that their product's doing the job and move on. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that people have to understand is um, marketing is about influence, right? For the person to pick up the phone and call you or book that appointment, lots of things have to happen. So I think sometimes people just focus on each piece without realizing that the key is connecting the dots. So at the end of the day, what really matters is the number of new clients you're getting, number of patients you're getting. So eventually the phone rings because all those dots are connected. You know, for example, um, NAP, which is name, address, phone number consistency. If you do that well, you're going to do better in SEO. You're going to show up on Google Maps. So you need that for SEO and Google Maps. Um, you know, reviews, like you said, you know, the bulldogs. So if you don't feed the bulldogs, they're going to scare patients away. So you need that because, yeah, you can have the best SEO and the best website, but if people are getting scared away, then who cares that you have the best SEO and the best website, right? Um, now, a lot of people today have to see you so many times before they like you and, and they choose you. So you need a way to keep in touch with them. And sometimes Facebook and Instagram and those things are really good because, you know, in the old days, they loved opening emails, but today they don't. So now through Facebook, you can stay in touch with them, you know, as long as, uh, you know, you have a smart strategy to kind of continue to be in front of them. And um, go ahead. I believe in staying in front of patients and Facebook's a great way to do it. Uh, throwing out fun stuff, uh, interesting stuff, not just teeth talk. You know, it's got to be something that just makes them remember you are human too. Right. We're all in this together as a society. And uh, if the dentist can be a part of a society that enjoys uh, the company of others and they enjoy being around dentists, you know, and nothing's worse than a dentist when he goes to a party and people come up to him and start talking about their teeth. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, even something like we posted somebody's birthday and we got 34 likes, you know, something as simple as a nice picture with a name of the person who's celebrating the birthday, you know, you have you have to because people connect with humans they don't connect with businesses they don't connect with things they don't connect with you know technology they connect with people 
Yeah, one of the things we did that's very useful for our image around the Atlanta area for decades was we went to missions in Africa and we went to missions in Honduras and we took teams over and did uh, dental and medical missions. So when we came back, we didn't just go back to work. We would talk about our mission and we would put together a PowerPoint and show that to our friends and we would go to different civic organizations and show our mission trips and some on TV, we do um, public service announcements on some of the TV shows that they actually let us talk about our mission trips. And uh, they didn't even charge us to run these public service announcements about missions to Africa. And so I got a reputation around Atlanta for being the missions dentist that went, you know, for the last 15 years, everybody keeps asking about when are you going back to Africa? And so <laughs> just share it what you do. It's such a nice thing. Right. Exactly. And we like people who are kind to others, right? I mean, um, when you say thank you, you know, a lot of people respond to it. You know, when you say, when you do nice things to others, especially when you, you don't have anything in return, you're just doing it because it's the right thing to do or you believe in it. You know, people, people like to go to giving people. That's one thing we found from the many, many comments we got uh, on pictures from Africa, you know, our Facebook posts that showed our uh, clinic in Africa. People really like their dentist to be a generous person. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else on marketing we should touch on, Doctor? Oh, there's so much to talk about marketing, but uh, hold it back for another day. We'll go yeah. to some other. We've got so much to talk about. I'm glad to go to the next topic. Yes. Let's talk about capacity. I think that's the topic you're very passionate about. What do you mean by capacity? Uh, it's, the, it's the ability of the dentist to create a busy day. You know, the $10,000 day dentist is a busy guy or girl. And if you can create that day after day, uh, it, it creates the best month you ever had. And if you do it month after month, it's the best year you ever had. And so my goal is to help every dentist have the best year they've ever had when they come into our mastermind. And, you know, they don't forget what I taught them. And so what I find, every dentist that's been through my program grows more the second year than they did in the first year so that they have bigger growth. And so that creates a, a crazy good career. And they end up being able to finish their career with a lot better practice, more profits, more uh, money savings in their retirement accounts. The practice is worth more. They sell it for a bigger profit at the end of their career. So everybody wins when they learn how to do one day really well. So uh, I focused on one day being very productive. And it, and it all started with talking about scheduling, you know, how to schedule $10,000 every day. And that's the goal I challenged my staff to. I said, I just want you to do one thing. You know, we have a lot of other things that we could do, but the most important thing is to schedule $10,000 every day. And that's kind of an audacious goal, isn't it? Right. <laughs> but you know what? They do. They absolutely do. And, and I kind of tease with them. I say, failure is not an option. And I say, teasingly, don't leave home or don't leave for home without doing it. And um, most every day they'll book me full for the next day. 
and I'm not booked with one or two or three days out a lot of times, you know, I'm not six months out. That's one of the most serious enemies of production is to be booked out. So we, we talk about having the perfect day and I use an ABC schedule, three chairs, and I want a good procedure in the first column, a good procedure, but not the best in the second column. And then one of those uh, no production type procedures in the third column. Ideally, I want, you know, I want difficult, easy and no brainer in my three rooms. Every hour, I want to repeat that same process. And so I, I talk about having um, three and three, three patients in the chair at eight o'clock in the morning, three rooms, three patients. So I want to start every day perfect like that because I want to go over here and give anesthesia for a crown, give anesthesia for a filling, go see the crown. And then I want to go back to the first room, prepare the crown prep, go ahead and fill the filling, and then whatever comes in the next room. So just go back and forth between about three rooms all day long is my perfect day. And uh, every, every day just seems to flow in that fashion where I'm bouncing back and forth and checking hygiene between. And uh, if I start every day out perfect, then every day pretty much ends up perfect. Right. So the three rooms are something, you know, like, like, like a crown, so, so, so something hard, something easy. And what's the third one? No brainer, you said. That's no. like the hygiene or is that something else? Well, uh, orthodontic checks, uh, okay. seat, seat crowns. Now, I'm not going to see the, you know, 10-unit makeover. That's going to be called a major to see the 10-unit makeover with veneers or something. But just to see the single crown should be a, a two-minute job for the dental, uh, for the doctor. The dental assistant should be able to handle everything but the final uh, check the doctor has to check it and cement it. So orthodontics, TMJ are all quickies. And then I, post-op checks, denture adjustments, things like that are quick, no production. So we always book those in the room three. Right. I have three, I have three assistants. And so they're always kept busy. That's the thing. If you have one or two assistants and you're, you're fine and you can't get things done, you just need to hire another assistant. Right. Because they can do most of this, right? So you just need to go there, go there for a couple of minutes. Yeah, you have to believe in delegation to the level that the state law allows and let them do what they can do. And the dental guy that's the control freak that won't let them do anything is not going to be as productive. You know, you just have to personally decide if you want to delegate and train them up as well as you can do it. That's the key to delegation is don't let them do anything they can't do as good or better than you can do. Right. Right. Now, as far as scheduling goes, every schedule falls apart. That's one thing we know. And so to, to be a consistent $10,000 a day dentist, not every day is going to get booked to 10,000. That's our goal. That's not our reality. So I might only have 6,000 on the books, but I have to be able to fill the gaps in. And so we're really good at recognizing when we're short of goal and everybody rallies around the point that we have to create what's called same day dentistry. We have to go into the fix it mode to make that uh, goal work out. If a patient falls off the schedule and breaks an appointment, we have to be able to scramble. And so we, we got some built in techniques to do that. And it's a say yes program. It's the uh, 
same day dentistry concept. And if I can do those things, then the day fills up and I end up with uh, usually about 30 to 40% more dentistry done than we're actually booked that day. And the only day that I don't do that is when I tell them don't put anybody else in extra because I'm already totally full and I can't see anybody else. Right. right. When your whole team is focused on hitting the goal, it will happen. That's, that's exactly what I've noticed. So that focus, that single-minded focus on $10,000 a day dentistry, that's critical as well. Yeah. It's maximizing whatever goal you set, you know, you could set a $5,000 goal if that's your goal or a 15. I have dentists that work in my mastermind that have a $15,000 a day goal and they hit it every day. And it's because they set the goal. So it's, it's independently set by whatever dentist wants to set. And uh, the reason I picked the $10,000 number was because that's what I had averaged over the last 15 years every day when I wrote the book, when I did that first lecture. I was just picking a number out of the hat and it just happened that I'd averaged 10,000 for 15 straight years. And I wanted to write about what I had done. Um, but it's easier to do more than that if you want to, but it wouldn't be as easy to convince dentists that they can do that. It's really hard to convince some dentists they can do 10,000 a day if they haven't seen how to do it. If they just hear the title of the book and they go, that's not possible. That's what some mindsets will do. But once you've seen how, most of you can do it. Absolutely. This book, how deep is it? How many pages is it, Doctor? The $10,000 a day? Oh, not very bad. It's 158 pages, including the um, index. Right. So it's like a two-hour read? Yeah, two or three hours, you got the whole thing. Uh, it's got 50 ways to uh, highly to create a highly successful, successful practice, or as I say, 50 shades of abundance. <laughs> 50 shades of abundance. Those are 50 techniques or ideas around these five big ideas. Exactly. See, in the book, I, I have this dentist called Dr. Alex Middleton, who's the, the guide, and he meets five dentists who are in different places in their career path and he's meeting these dentists and he's giving them advice and he's telling them things that might work out. And he asks them questions that help him discover their mindset. And then he gives them advice as to what might work. And so the book is kind of a story and it gets into things that you might not find in most dental textbooks for sure, or practice management books for sure. It's not just a how-to book. It's more of a story of uh, style and uh, belief systems and attitudes about right. how do you view these, these production techniques. It's a pretty different book. I, I enjoyed writing it. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to definitely get my copy and read it. So I do appreciate you sending me an autograph copy. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I use Kindle a lot. So what I do is typically I just buy it. You know, it's really, really inexpensive and it shows up in what, two minutes. So you it's, can't beat that. It's on Kindle. So if you really get hungry for it and want it tonight, you can read it tonight. <laughs> right. I think I'm going to do that still. I still want your autograph copy, but I'll definitely, you know, get a copy on Kindle as well. Um, 
So thank you very much uh, for sharing your tips. If anybody wants to learn more about your business or get a hold of you, how can they do that, Doctor? I'll be glad to talk with anybody, and I can be reached at um, solsticedentaladvisors.com. That's my website. Got contact information. Uh, our business phone number is 770-614-4249. So you can leave information there for me to contact you back. We're, we're right up uh, against the um, next mastermind starting in May. So I might mention that May 21 and 22 is our next mastermind that has an opening. So if somebody's interested in uh, talking about that, I would be glad to discuss it. We have, we have a limit of nine doctors in our mastermind. So it's. Tell me. Tell me a little bit more about the masterminds. How often do you meet? What's the commitment? We meet every hundred days, almost. It's about three times a year for two days at my house. And we sit around our, our dining room table, which is like a big boardroom table. And we go through the entire mastermind right there. And I'll, I'll meet in January, May, and October for two days. And we will really enjoy having what's called the hot seat. You're familiar with the hot seat? Yeah. And we dig into each practice and every, every session, every dentist goes through the hot seat. And I give lectures that are based on uh, topics that I think are important for each group to learn. And uh, so year process, we have an online master's academy as a team building thing that goes along with it. So the team is involved as long as the doctor wants them to be involved. They, they do well. What do the, monthly, what do, what do the teams do? They'll have staff meetings and, and have training through the modules of uh, online training back home. So they'll have weekly staff meetings based on our, our teachings. You know, no, no doctor succeeds without the team behind him. And we, we really feel like the best results we get are when the teams are working in concert with the doctors. So do you facilitate individual meetings for each team? So each doctor's team, you, you do separate meetings or how does it work? I only meet with the group of doctors at my home and the doctors go back and meet with their teams at their office. And they have weekly team meetings and, we encourage them to have department and team meetings. And you teach them how to do that? Correct. So the online component, what is, what is that? It's called the uh, 5M Master's Academy. Okay. And, and it's 12 to 15 modules that I put together to train the team on a lot of these concepts of uh, marketing management systems. Uh, it's basically, it's a mindset shift for the team it opens their minds to what the doctor is doing back here at the mastermind. I see. Right. So you're, you're bringing the team along. So they're on the same page as the doctor. Right. Makes sense. At least that's, that's the way we found it works best. If the doctor tries to just to take the mastermind on his own, it doesn't involve the team. They get a certain amount of growth, but those who involve the team in the process get probably double the growth of the doctors that don't involve the team. Right. Because everybody's on the same page. They're not, you know, exactly conflict. Mm -hmm. Right. 
This is wonderful. We're going to include all this information in call notes, uh, the phone numbers, the emails, the you know, the websites. Uh, of course, we're going to summarize the, the conversation here with the key highlights. And uh, if you don't mind, we'll also mention the, the books you have. Um, so um, I do appreciate you taking the time today, Doctor. I learned a lot. Um, it's, it's a great podcast that I really enjoyed and learned a lot from. And I think even though my core business is marketing. I think even I can learn a few things from what you shared today, you know, in terms of um, the big idea I got from you is that anything is possible and the 10,000 is just a random number you picked, but it really doesn't matter what the number is. It's just that focus and then working on those, uh, you know, the key areas, you know, to make that number happen. And once you figure out how to have a single $10,000 day, you can have 200 of those days in a year. You know what I mean? So, so then exactly. you can scale it pretty easily yeah i like that it's a good summary uh i really appreciate the way you took the words and made them clear to people that i sometimes ramble i'll tell you one thing that's interesting um my first teaching that i ever did my first uh, lecture was in toronto canada up there in ontario where you are <laughs> uh, back in 1983 I went to Toronto and gave my first lecture for the United States Dental Institute. So Ontario and Canadians are some of my favorite people. Thank you. <laughs> I think, what do you like about Canadians? Uh, friendly folks is the number one thing that comes to mind. They're open and friendly. Right. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a melting pot. People from all over the place and, uh, you know, yeah, people kind of uh, are helpful and, you know, they generally like, you know, like to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes they say it's sorry too many times, but <laughs> I think they don't. Hey? <laughs> yes, hey, yes. That's yeah, Jeff, Jeff Pratt from Guelph, Ontario was in my mastermind that we met together for 10 years every six months. So uh, I had a real fun uh, first introduction to a dentist in Canada as well as teaching in Canada. So always good. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being, uh, inviting me to be on your program, Naren, and I look forward to working with you guys and uh, helping support your, your marketing company. You do a great job out there, I already know. So I'm, I'm glad to recommend you guys anytime I can. Thank you very much, Doctor. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, if you like this podcast, of course, share it with your friends, your colleagues, uh, write a review for us on iTunes, and uh, we would love to hear from you and uh, be of service. Have a wonderful day. And thank you again, doctor, for taking your time and uh, sharing your insights about how to create a $10,000 a day practice. Absolutely. You're welcome. <laughs>